0: Welcome to Skylights, the podcast of Open Sky Wilderness Therapy. Nestled in the mountains of Southwest Colorado and the canyon country of Southeast Utah, Open Sky transcends traditional wilderness therapy by emphasizing treatment for the whole family. I'm your host, Emily Fernandez, Executive Director and Co-Founder of Open Sky. On each episode of Skylights, I speak with an expert in the field of wilderness therapy, and together, we explore the unique value the outdoors provides on the journey towards wellness, self-discovery, and growth. To learn more about Open Sky, visit us at openskywilderness.com. Welcome to the podcast. We're glad you're here. On today's episode of Skylights, therapist Nick Lenderking-Brill walks us through some practical ways to develop effective and assertive communication. Nick is a therapist for adolescent boys here at Open Sky Wilderness Therapy. His curiosity about people and relationships drives his desire to help others heal both internally and through human connection. We've had the joy of having Nick on the Open Sky team since the spring of 2018, when he joined as a family services intern during his graduate studies. He has since earned his master's degree in clinical mental health counseling with a focus on wilderness therapy, and now works as a primary therapist on the clinical team. Welcome, Nick.
1: Thanks, Emily. It's so good to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to talk with you about this topic because I just love the way that you communicate. So I feel really fortunate to be sitting here today and, and talking about this topic.
1: Thank you. Likewise. I mean, communication is so important to me in all of my daily interactions, always kind of thinking about, okay, how am I going to communicate with this person? How am I going to connect with this person? And I like to think that eventually it it does become automatic, but it's taken some thought to actually be intentional about the way that I enter into a relationship with someone.
0: So this topic of the communication toolbox, say more about that. The communication toolbox, what does that mean to you and why is it important?
1: It's exactly what it sounds like. The way I think of it is is actually a toolbox of skills that we always have at our disposal to practice, really. And in this context, I think having that communication toolbox is super useful when it comes to family. Family interactions get tense, right? We all know that. And so the toolbox is something that we can just pull out at any moment and draw on any skills at any time being. But the other thing is that it's nice to have this toolbox so that we can act preventatively Mm. and not just reactively. So we can use these skills not only when relationships are, are tense or avoidant or confusing, we can build these patterns of healthy communication to help strengthen relationships. And so I really think of these skills as they're empowering. It gives us a choice, gives us a choice to communicate in healthy ways. Oftentimes, we may feel like we don't have the choice. We just go to our go-to of whatever it is. Maybe it's avoidant or isolation or, or yelling at someone. Having these skills, we can in the moment choose how do I want to communicate? How do I want to show up in relationship?
0: Hmm. And, and so what are some of these essential skills?
1: Number one before anything is simply the ability to be able to call a timeout and to pause. Right, like That's actually a skill. It's harder than it seems, but the ability in the moment when you're heated to pause and call a timeout and to actually feel what's happening, right? Like so often we don't check in with ourselves on an emotional level, really. And so to be able to take that pause and say, okay, am I feeling angry? No, I'm actually feeling hurt right now. I'm actually feeling sad. I'm actually scared. I think that is step one.
0: Mm. So this idea of timeout, I mean, we often think of... um little kids and maybe like (laughs) had timeouts ourselves as a little kid or have employed those with small children. But you're saying that this is a skill that is good for all of us to employ.
1: 100%. And it's a lot easier to tell a little kid, okay, you need to take a timeout. And we all know when a five-year-old is having a tantrum, it's really easy as a parent to say, hey, you need to take timeout. Way harder to put that back on ourselves and say, oh my goodness, I'm having a a quote-unquote tantrum you know internal turmoil however it looks to be able to say oh yeah I need a timeout right now Mm -hmm. so yeah it's for adults too.
0: So taking that moment to pause.
1: Exactly. And then
0: after the pause what next?
1: So once you're in that pause and know what you're feeling I think it's really important to regulate and this can look so many different ways for so many different people right but I mean, I think kind of the most basic regulation technique that I use and that comes to mind and that I offer a lot of families and students I work with, simply deep breathing. It's our body's biological way of actually regulating ourselves. When we elongate our breaths, we're activating that parasympathetic nervous system, which tells the rest of our body to rest and digest. So that's something we can always do. As long as we're still breathing, that's a way we can calm ourselves down.
0: So then when we have taken the time, we've we've employed these skills to kind of calm our nervous system, then what tools are you turning to?
1: Yeah, at that point, we're ready to actually re-enter into relationship. Something I'll say is that when you do take the time out, it's important to set an intention to come back together. So you're not just abandoning the person or, or walking away. You, you need to say, okay, I'm going to come back in 20 minutes. I'm going to go calm. I'm going to go chill out. I'll be back in 20 minutes. Let's check in. And so at that point, that's when I think an I feel statement is actually really quite useful.
0: So I feel statement, tell me a little bit more about those and what they look like.
1: I think an I feel statement is sort of the crown jewel of emotional communication. It's a basic technique and it's, it's simple, but it takes practice. There's basically five parts of the I feel statement. First being a feeling. So say I'm feeling angry. Okay, I feel angry. Simple as that. And you've already done that when during the timeout. And then the next part is an objective event. So I feel angry when you raise your voice at me. No one can argue with that. That's an objective event. What you want to avoid doing is I feel angry when you speak to me in a way that's obvious that you don't care about me. Mm. Right? Because then that's a slippery slope of like, of creating more and more argument. Mm -hmm. That's an inflammatory remark. So you say, I feel angry when you yell at me. The third step is a guess as to why. So a belief, a value, I imagine I feel this way because when you raise your voice at me, I feel small. Or I imagine I feel this way because I've asked you not to raise your voice at me and you still are. And that hurts. At that point, yeah, you're basically saying, I feel angry because that's step three.
0: And making it clear that it's in your perception, it's in your mind, like why you believe this.
1: Exactly, right? That's a subjective part, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, why I'm personally angry. And then step four is setting an intention for yourself. So in the future, My intention for myself is I'm going to take a walk around the house or take a walk around the block next time I start to feel the anger bubble up in me, something like that. And then step five is a request for the other person. In the future, I request that when you start to feel a strong emotion, you speak to me in a calmer manner. Or I request that you take some deep breaths before you raise your voice at me, something like that. Next, after after an I feel statement, I think it's really important that the listener takes some time to reflect and validate the speaker. And this isn't about solving the problem. This isn't about agreeing. It's not even necessarily about understanding. It's about simply being a mirror. And so if you had just shared that I feel statement with me, Emily, I would say, okay, Emily, I hear that you feel angry when I raise my voice. You imagine that you feel this way because when I raise my voice, it makes you feel small. And you've asked me before not to do that. Your intention for yourself is to do some regulation techniques and, and, and take a pause. Um, next time you do feel angry, maybe walk around the house. And your request of me is to do the same, that I do some deep breathing or some emotional regulation techniques and communicate with you in a calmer way in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I imagine being in this exchange as if this was was really between you and me, like my system calms and hearing you reflect Mm. that.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Great. I I guess I did an okay job of (laughs) reflecting then because that's the point, right? Like, yeah, you feel it. Like, can you feel it viscerally?
0: I'm struck with the reflection because that was remembering a lot. Yes. Can, can that, you know, that can be hard, I would imagine.
1: Totally. Totally it is. And so it can be easier. Another thing to have in the toolbox is like reflection is a skill actually in that toolbox and it it can be easier to break it down into parts. And so for the person sharing the I feel statement, maybe they'll just do I feel blank when and then reflect. I imagine I feel this way because. Reflect. My intention is. Reflect. My request. Reflect. Because it is a lot.
0: So yeah. breaking it down and having more of a back and forth dialogue.
1: It can absolutely be helpful. I mean, I think it's important to remember that I feel statements, it's not a memory game. It's not about memory. It's about communicating in a way slowed down and intentional manner. And that reflection, I see it as a key to unlock the door of communication. Hmm. That's, that's what I, the image that I get
0: hmm So the I feel statement saying something from the I perspective, having that reflected.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned reflective listening as one of the tools. Yeah. What are some other tools?
1: So talking about listening, it's really important to actually create time to communicate in this way. That is a tool in and of itself, like making yourself available and setting these intentional moments. And that can look like, In the moment, if things are getting heated, taking that pause and and saying, okay, I need to share an I feel statement right now or I need to do something to take care of myself right now. It's always worth being five minutes late to baseball practice or whatever other appointment that you may have in order to not leave whatever situation you're in with all this tension in the air, I think. I think it's always worth taking those extra five or ten minutes just to share how what's actually going on for you in a respectful and regulated way. And again, it's not about solving it. It's about simply getting it out there. Solving can come later. And I think that I mean that's that's another skill in the toolbox as well. Like once someone has shared something and it's become and it's been reflected, then at that point you can check in and say, can I respond? Or can we have more of a conversation about this? Maybe the answer is yes. Maybe no. Maybe it's like, no, you know what? I need to marinate on this for a day. Let's check in in a day, mm-hmm. right? But I think a follow-up conversation is often warranted and appropriate, just maybe not right in the heat of the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you speaking to this concept of a timeout or taking time in a different way. We can do that with ourselves, but also how we create that time out with each other. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, life mm-hmm. is busy. Do you have some ideas for families about how to carve out that time?
1: So this goes back to what I was saying earlier about how we can act preventatively instead of just reactively. I think when you sit down for dinner is a really good time to simply just go around the table, even just do like a check-in. It can be a 10 to 30 second, maybe a minute long check-in for everyone in the family to check in about how they're doing in that moment, how the day's been, offer some feelings, you know, throw, throw, some, throw some emotions out there and then have dinner, right? Because then you're already creating a culture of emotional communication and connection, right? So I think pairing these intentional times with stuff that's already scheduled in your day is a really effective way to set yourself up for success. It could also be like maybe when you first wake up in the morning doing a little check-in with your spouse, if you're married or or cohabitating with someone, you could do that with kids as well, right? Like first thing in the morning before anything else happens, right? And so, or maybe in the car, you know, you make the car on the way to school a sacred time to just have a check-in. Sometimes I, I hear all the time that, oh, I can't do this I feel thing. It's totally unnatural. It's totally robotic. Well, then adapt it using the exact same elements of it, adapt it in a way that feels more casual and more natural. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I'm feeling like this when this happens. And I I think I probably feel like this way because of this. And this is what I'm going to do differently. And could you please do this differently?
0: Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Yeah. The way you say that, it sounds very natural. Like I wouldn't notice.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a sort of clever way to get it in there. Yeah.
0: Which I imagine then, um, you know, you see the effectiveness between, adolescents if they're communicating with each other or you know a child and a parent.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean at Open Sky we certainly have a culture of okay, I'm going to share an I feel statement, the whole team pauses and it, there's there is a culture there of like okay, we're going to do the full formal I feel statement and reflect. But then I oftentimes see for example on a family quest when students and parents will rejoin, they're able to integrate the structure into more casual conversation. So I think step one is getting the structure down. But once you get that, it just flows way more naturally, especially when everyone is on board with practicing and and has the same has the same communication toolbox at their disposal.
0: So these tools that you're speaking of, whether it's a check-in at the dinner table, which isn't necessarily a full I feel statement, but you're Mm -hmm. saying more of just like a check-in about how I'm doing Mm -hmm. or carving out time to do more I feels as a family. Mm -hmm. When I think about that happening, I think of just creating time to understand each other more and Mm -hmm. to hear where the other person is coming from, Mm -hmm. which then creates more connection.
1: Absolutely. And that it's a less tangible skill, but it's still... Is developed in the same way by practicing, like um, you know, connecting and understanding and, and empathy. Really, I think is what we're talking about here. While you can't reach into a toolbox and and pull out your empathy tool in the same way that you would an I feel statement, it's cultivated through practice. So a great way to practice empathy is by a. There's the classic putting yourself in someone else's shoes, right? But What I do as a therapist, you know, maybe I have someone sharing about an experience that they've had with me that I've never had, right? And it could be easy to get sucked into the trap of, oh, well, I can't quite relate to that. But I've had similar experiences where I felt the same way or I've had the same emotional reaction to an experience. And so that is always a way to connect and to empathize with someone else. I think it's always possible to empathize, With someone else because we're all humans and while we may not have had the exact same experiences we've all experienced sadness we've all experienced joy we've all experienced anger in in this full emotional range and so if we can connect our experience of those emotions with someone else then that's a pathway towards connection and it's all about just flexing that muscle i think the more in touch we are with our own internal experience it really helps us connect to someone else's internal experience
0: So what are some other ways of flexing that muscle of actually applying these these practices and sharpening these tools?
1: It may sound silly, but I think even just writing them down and keeping them in your pocket or in your wallet as a handy guide until you integrate them more into into your daily routine. You know, it could look like if you want like an I feel statement, cheat sheet with sort of a fill in the blank sort of deal. I think that can be really effective until you have it even a list of, of a list of emotions, a list of the common stuff that you feel. Sometimes when I'm feeling something really intensely, I can't quite put it to words. I'm like, is this anger or is this disappointment or is this frustration or is this anxiety? And I'm a visual guy. And so if I have that list, I can just point to it and fill in the blank and say, oh, okay, yeah, that's exactly what I'm feeling. I just, again, it's the way that I see all of this is it's like going to the gym honestly. And when you're just starting out, you get under the bench press and there's no weights on it and you're just able to, to push up the bar. But day after day after day and week after week, you're able to add 10 pounds and then 10 pounds and then 10 pounds. And so you're, you're building your emotional muscles in doing this. And so making it habitual, tying it to those other habits and, and things that you're already doing throughout your day I think is a way to really solidify this stuff and and have it integrate.
0: Mhm. Well, and so much of what you're speaking about is they are their skills to be practiced in relationship with other people. Sure. And so what about the scenario of a family member being resistant to these? Like say, you know, I as a parent or as an adolescent I'm really excited and gung-ho about practicing these things, but my other family member is not. Yeah. What words of wisdom do you have?
1: Step one is to sort of reframe what you're trying to do. So I think it, it, if you come in real hot, guns blazing, and say like, all right, we're going to sit down, we're going to practice I feel statements and go. Your teenager or parent may ne- not necessarily be so up for that. And so if there's tension happening in the family or if there's avoidance or lots of angry outbursts in a family you may start by simply asking your family members what do you want from our relationship what are some of your goals you could even start by asking i'm noticing that something's not working are you noticing that too likely the answer will be yes if there's all kinds of tension or avoidance happening. And then you might ask, well, what do you want? Like, do you want this to get easier? You know, do you want there to be less discord in the house, more peace? Do you want our interactions to be easier? And if the answer is yes, then you might say, well, I I have some ideas, you know, I have, there's this thing called this communication toolbox. And at that point you could share some of this stuff and then you're still getting the same message across, but in a different way than like, hey, let me teach you this stuff and show you how to do it. I think it empowers the resistant individual more to make a choice of like, "Ah, oh, I guess I do want my relationships to improve. Okay, I'll try these things. So I'd say that's step one. If that individual is is pretty stuck and is saying, no, I don't want to improve communication, I don't care. I think at that point, that's when you seek outside help, whether that's therapy or some other kind of counseling. I think that at that point, if someone is really resistant to change, you might need to disrupt the pattern in a more drastic way.
0: Mm to take a time out, going back to that concept um, exactly. to take some time and space, maybe in a bigger way to be able to come back. Cause when I hear you speaking about these skills and the reflective listening with the, I feel, I mean, that's a very formal reflection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I imagine just applying the reflective listening in less formal ways can help and shift things too.
1: Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Emily. I mean, I think that anytime someone shares anything, you know, heavy. I mean, it doesn't need to be in just chatting, you know, level 1 day-to-day conversation, but anytime someone shares anything heavy, I'll try to say, "Man, I I hear you. That sounds rough." You know, instead of st- straight up going in and trying to fix it or, "No, you're really doing such a great job," or, "No, it'll be okay." I don't think that's what people actually need to hear in those moments. I think they just need to hear, "Whoa, like I'm with you. I'm standing next to you in your experience and I may not be experiencing the same thing that you have, but I've felt something similar and I care about you and I love you. So I'm going to sit with you in the in the muck of this challenging feeling that you're in right now. I think that's so important to just, yeah, reflect, reflect and empathize. I, I think it's hard to not have empathy follow after a reflection. Be like, yeah, I hear that you are struggling right now. How could you not feel a little bit of that struggle too if you are communicating with someone you care about?
0: Mm-hmm. And just feeling seen and heard yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, can go a long way. Absolutely. Do you have some other ideas, resources, places to turn to continue to learn about these things?
1: I wrote a blog on this exact same topic not too long ago and it, it outlines sort of the process of taking the time out, pausing to feel, and then Dealing, so actually using your emotional regulation techniques and then sharing. So feel, deal, share. The the blog is basically centered on that skill. And I think the importance of self-care and having a wellness plan is actually a great way to avoid even needing to get into these really sticky situations, right? And so I noticed for myself, like, if I'm well-fed, I'm way less likely to, to become emotionally dysregulated, right? If I'm hydrated, I'm way more likely to, to remain calm and be able to stay in relationships. So it could be stuff as simple as that. I think it's really important to make sure that we are integrating self-care into our daily routines. For me, that looks like writing out a list, otherwise I won't do it. Like I need to write out a list of stuff I wanna make sure I accomplish that day. So it could even be as simple as do 10 push-ups after I brush my teeth. It could be meditate for five minutes. It could be take a 20-minute walk once I'm done with my workday, right? Keeping it really simple, really concrete, accomplishable goals will uh, help support you to get into less and less of those tense situations. Um, So doing some kind of wellness plan. Um, I think, you know, I'm a wilderness therapist, and I gotta say this, but I wholeheartedly believe it for my own personal well being as well. Being outside, there's so much research that supports the value of outdoor time and how much value that has on our nervous systems and our emotional regulation, especially if you're gonna do it with your family. It's a great way to connect. Going on a hike, maybe paddling, going to the beach, it doesn't even need to be a whole day activity, it could be sitting in your backyard and looking at trees right it could be if you're in a city it could be taking a walk in a park playing basketball whatever it is that's going to help you stay in connection with the people you love more there's just no doubt about it i'm also a huge proponent of yoga and meditation as well i think there's so many different types of yoga so many different types of meditation i think just practicing this stuff like Practice, 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 even when you're not emotionally dysregulated, um, doing that kind of check-in, sharing a happy I feel statement. Oh, I feel so happy when we get to play basketball together because I really value our time together and I'm going to keep doing that and will you please join me?
0: Mm-hmm. Going back to this metaphor of the toolbox, I'm thinking about the the carpenter who goes to work you know, without having breakfast, not had his coffee, mm-hmm. you know, not totally. drinking water. Like, of course, yeah. he or she is not going to be able to use those tools in an effective way. Totally. And it also, like, it could lead to hurt, whether, like, self or somebody else.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I love that metaphor because, yeah, if you go to work and you're trying to build, an if you're using a saw on an empty stomach, you know, you could nick your finger. And so I love applying that metaphor To exactly what we're talking about, this communication toolbox. And I think too that just to to expand on that, like sometimes all we need to do is take out a screwdriver and like adjust just a loose screw and a doorknob or something like that. It could be real simple. Sometimes we actually do need to bust out the skill saw, you know, and make some serious alterations. And so that's That's up for everyone in their own individual family to sort of feel out and decide in the moment. But I think it's important to remember that it's those kind of daily screw tightenings that prevent the walls from coming down. And it doesn't need to be this big, effortful thing to communicate in a healthy way. It can be as simple as tightening the screw.
0: Mm -hmm. Sharpening the saw. It's hard to cut something effectively if you're not keeping your tools sharp.
1: Totally that too. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Nick. It's a pleasure as always to talk with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Emily. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks to our guest today, therapist Nick Lenderking-Brill. We're so grateful for his insight into truly transforming the way we communicate. To learn more about Open Sky Wilderness Therapy, visit openskywilderness.com. And if you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast app of choice.